chapter 43. Jeremiah 43. All right. If you remember the last two chapters, we were looking at um, the people who were left, the remnant who were left. um, They were headed towards Egypt, and they stopped, and they asked Jeremiah, and they said, will you go to the Lord and pray for us and ask him what he'd have us to do? And whatever he says, we'll do. So Jeremiah went and prayed, and the Lord said, don't go to Egypt. And they said, that's not what we wanted to hear. We're going to Egypt. And Jeremiah said, if you go to Egypt, bad things are coming. If you stay here, good things are coming. And uh, he called them out on their hypocrisy. And on the fact in verse 21 of chapter 42, uh, he says, um, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord. And uh, so he says in verse 22 at the end of chapter 42, it says, Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, in the place whither you desire to go and sojourn. So we pick it up in chapter 43, and we see here kind of a, uh, something we've seen before in Jeremiah's life. And we've talked about it before. When you present the message of God, not everyone's going to take it so well. And there are going to be times even where you're going to be persecuted as a result of sharing the message that God has for you. And we've seen it, we heard about it a little bit with the uh, Tolsons in China and other missionaries where they, uh, you go back to Jim Elliott, um, you know, not everybody receives God's message as kindly as you would like them to. And that's exactly what happens here in Jeremiah 43. So let's pray and we'll ask for the Lord's help, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll look at this chapter. Lord, help us, I do pray. Um, as we look here, I pray that our hearts would not be as the hearts of the people here. But Lord, I pray that our faithfulness would be as Jeremiah's faithfulness is. And uh, Lord, help us, I do pray, in Jesus' name, amen. We see here in, in chapter 43, starting in verse 1, And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words. Then spake Azariah, and I'm skipping, and Johanan, uh, and I'm skipping, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, set thee on against us, for to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they might put us to death, and carry us away captives unto Babylon, into Babylon. When, in the previous 42 chapters, have we seen where Jeremiah said something that God said that did not come true? Not once. Uh, Jeremiah had a, a history of telling the truth. He was well known for just presenting what God said, and it came to pass. And yet, when he tells them, God said to me to tell you, don't go to Egypt, stay where you are. If you go to Egypt, the Chaldeans will come get you. If you stay here, you'll be protected. They said, no, that's not true. They said, Baruch sent you, you're, you're working for the enemy, uh, it's a trap, we don't believe you. And uh, isn't that interesting? So what they do here, basically, number one, they deny authority, um, as Christians, 
as proclaimers of God's word, our authority comes from God. All right, so if we're presenting the Bible, God's word, that's our authority. If you're speaking off your own opinions and things like that, that's on you. You have no authority. Um, I have no authority over your house, right? So I can raise my kids a certain way. I don't have the authority to make you raise the kids the same way I raise my kids. Now, I have the biblical authority to teach you what the Bible says about raising kids, but I don't have the authority to go into your house and set rules for you. If you're ever in a church where the pastor says, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, and you say, where's the Bible? First it says so, and he says, no, it's not about, this is about what I said. This is what I'm telling you you have to do. And again, there's, there's rules, and it's fine for um, some rules within the church and you know, rules for, and guidelines for teachers and things like that. It's smart to set up some, some guidelines that help make sure that the examples are in the right place and things like that. But I know them. You've probably heard stories of them, if you don't know them yourself, of pastors who say, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this, and why? Well, because I said so, and I'm the pastor, and you're supposed to listen to the pastor, and I'm a man of God, and all those kinds of things. Um, you vote, vote that guy out or leave, go somewhere else. Um, but when it comes to the Bible and the things of the Bible, I'm not working on my authority, and we're not working on our authority, we're working on God's authority. And so Jeremiah here is working on, under God's authority and giving the message that God gave him to give, and the people denied his authority, ultimately denying God's authority. Pride caused these people to not listen to Jeremiah. It says in verse 2, and all the proud men saying unto Jeremiah... So that leads to disobedience. And then refusal to conform. I know we use the word conform and people think, oh, that's bad. No, refusal to conform to God's word. A refusal to decide and make the decision, I'm going to do what God says. Remember they said in chapter 42, whatever God says, we're going to do. And God said, they said, oh, no, we're not doing that. And then they blamed it on Jeremiah. Well, we don't believe you, Jeremiah, because you're such a liar, right? I mean... You said that Babylonian, Babylon was going to come and take us captive. Well, that just happened, but that, that doesn't mean that this is true. And so you see this, this, this circle continues, uh, so to say. Johanan, verse 4, uh, and all the captives of the force, captains of the forces and all the people obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces took, and I circled that word in my Bible, took, didn't lead, they didn't ask. They took. They took all the remnant of Judah. They said, come with us. You have to. Now, granted, I'm sure people, if they'd said, we're not going, I, I don't know if they would have taken them or not. But at the end of the day, the leadership of this time was saying, you're coming with us. And uh, that were returned from all nations, whither they had been driven to dwell in the land of Judah. So now they're getting all the people together, and they're headed to Egypt. Uh, men, women, verse 6 tells us, children, the king's daughters, every person that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah. So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to Tophanes. So they grab all the people, right, all the remnants. Everybody that Gedaliah had put in charge and put, put over the people, they took them. They took Jeremiah the prophet. Isn't it funny? Jeremiah, we think you're the enemy. We think you're lying. Let's bring him with us. You know why? This is purely opinion, by the way, not, not scripture, so please understand that. Why? Why would you take Jeremiah? Because you remember earlier in the last chapter, they said, and I'm paraphrasing, God won't listen to us. Jeremiah, will you go pray for us? 
So why are they bringing Jeremiah, in my opinion, why are they bringing Jeremiah along? Because they know at some point they're going to be in trouble again. And they're going to go to Jeremiah and say, Jeremiah, will you pray for us? Um, I've learned that as a Christian in a non-Christian workplace, um, people want you to pray for them when they feel like they desperately need God. And they want to make sure that you're close enough that you'll pray for them if they go through it again or something different. And they want to be close enough where they can get help, but far enough away where they can live the way they want to live. And that's kind of what they're doing here with Jeremiah. Again, purely my opinion. Um, but as they uh, abandoned, even though they were taking him with him, they abandoned Jeremiah. Um, <clears throat> verse 8, God did not abandon him. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah and Tophanes, saying, this is great, this is great, okay. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah is a captive now amongst his own people. People that he warned multiple times before uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and took the people. He warned them, repent, do right, follow God. They said, nah, we don't want to. All right, Nebuchadnezzar comes, takes captive. There's a remnant left. He says, don't leave. Stay where you are. God says, if you stay here, I'll protect you. They go, nah, we don't want to do that. Uh, so now they leave. But they take Jeremiah with them. And God comes to Jeremiah and uh, some strong words. He says it to Jeremiah, verse 9, take great stones in thine hand and hide them and the clay and the bricklin, uh, not Brooklyn, by the way, Brooklyn, uh, which is at the entry of Pharaoh's house in Toponies, in the sight of the men of Judah. So they see it. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. What are these next two words? My servant. We talked about this many chapters ago. But God, at the moment, looked at Nebuchadnezzar as more obedient to him, a, a, a wicked king, a king that had taken captive God's people. Nebuchadnezzar was being obedient to God's will where his own, his own children were not. So he calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar was doing the will of God. Now God would punish the people of Babylon for this, and we've talked about that many times over, but uh, but he's, he, I just, I, to me, it's so intriguing. Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, and will set his throne upon these stones. The stones here that, that, that uh, uh, Jeremiah had placed in Toponese at Pharaoh's house. He says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar will set his throne upon these stones that I have hid, and he shall spread his royal pavilion over them. And when he cometh, he shall smite the land of Egypt. Does your disobedience affect other people? Yeah. You see, these people were supposed to stay in the land of Judah. They went to Egypt, so now what's going to happen? Egypt's going to suffer. So many times we think, well, this little lie or this little sin or this little thing, no one else knows it will affect no one. It's never true. Sin affects the people around you. Anyways. Um, he'll deliver such as are for death to death and such as are for captivity to captivity and such as are for the sword to the sword. And I will kindle, verse 12, a fire in the house of the gods of Egypt and he shall burn them and carry them away captives and he shall array himself uh, with the land of Egypt uh, uh, as a shepherd putteth on his garment, he shall go forth from thence in peace. Nebuchadnezzar is a coming. Why? Because God told them that's what was going to happen if they went to Egypt. It's amazing to me how ignorant 
foolish, uh, rebellious God's people are. Uh, in this situation, the Israelites. But uh, not much has changed. Now, we're not Jews. We're not the, the land that God has claimed as his own. But if we're saved, we're his children. And <laughs> it's just amazing that over the years, God's children still refuse to listen to what God says. Don't look at this or there's going to be consequences. Don't go here or there's going to be consequences. Do this and I'll protect you. And yet still, for whatever reason, we go, eh, I'll chance it. <laughs> and then we end up going, God, why is life so hard? Well, he told us. We just don't listen. Verse 13, he shall break also the images of Beth, uh, Beth Shemesh, that is in the land of Egypt, in the house of the gods of the Egyptians, shall he burn with fire. They're going to come in and destroy um, and ultimately destroy, it says in verse 12, the house of the gods of Egypt, destroying the idols and the false gods and things like that. We see this throughout Scripture many times, um, where people come in, usually God's people come in, and will destroy the idol-worshiping places and burn the idols and different things. We see Scripture verses, um, uh, if you remember, where uh, um, somebody comes in, and I'm blanking on who it was, and all the idols are... are and all, for all practical purposes, bowed down. They all fell over, and, uh, and they're all down, and everybody's going, what happened here? And God did it. But he goes back to this again in verse number 10, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. And he uses Nebuchadnezzar, a, a king that, that I wouldn't categorize as godly, yet because God places all men and women in authority, kings, presidents. And we sit there and we go, that person's wicked. Uh, that person's godless. That person's making bad choices, and I don't disagree with any of that. But we oftentimes forget that God's in control. Who's to say that God won't use a wicked president us back where we belong is God capable yeah <laughs> he is but what we have is Christians who for far too long have gotten comfortable and we just assume everything is going to be just it's all going to work out because what do we say? Well, God's in control. It's all going to work out. Then when we get under certain circumstances, we go, this is really bad. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. But is God capable? If you lived back in Jeremiah's day and you were one of God's children, you would not look at Nebuchadnezzar and go, he's one of us. He's the opposite. But God used him. Nebuchadnezzar did the will of God. And ultimately, as it comes down years ahead, or years later, God's people are restored, 
and brought back. But it was during Nebuchadnezzar's reign that God's people had a chance to obey and do God's will, and they didn't do it. I wonder, you know, in America, we're so spoiled. I wonder <clears throat> how many opportunities we've just walked right past. Um, you look at our freedoms, and we're scared to lose them, but the reality is, is we haven't used them. And we lose our freedoms. In, in many Christians' lives, not much will change. As a matter of fact, they'll go, well, at least I don't have to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. Yet there will be people like Jeremiah who will faithfully go. I don't know that in my lifetime, us as adults, our lifetimes, that the freedom will ever be taken away from us in America to not worship freely. It may, may not, I don't know. At some point, I believe, and again, purely opinion, I believe that in America the freedom will go away. At least parts of it. We won't be able to freely say whatever. They're, they've been working on it for years. Um, again, I've mentioned this before, but representatives in Virginia have, have, have put bills on the table that would take away the rights of preachers to preach some things, certain things in Scripture. And that if they do say it, it'll be hate speech. Now, they've not been voted through. They've never passed. But they're trying. So just mark it down. It's someday, whether it happens in our lifetime or not, someday the freedoms will go away. But I come back to it. Are we more like Jeremiah or are we more like the other folks? What did Jeremiah do? He just said what God said. Faithfully obeyed God. What did the other people do? I don't like that, Jeremiah. I want to go to Egypt. Things look good in Egypt. Well, why do things look good in Egypt? Because honestly, sin looks good. Why? Because it satisfies the flesh. It's tempting. But God says, I want you to stay where you are. I want you to do what I tell you to do. You may not see why it makes sense, but your faith should tell you, I'm sticking right where God wants me. The people, and again, I don't get it. We do the same thing, I guess, but I just don't understand how right after the Babylonian captivity, the people who were left go, Jeremiah's not telling the truth. He just warns you for years that if you don't repent, Babylon's coming. But then I think about it, man, we have the word of God. <laughs> when the Bible tells us to obey God and to follow God and to trust him with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. It tells us that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. One of those I always get it mixed up. It tells us if we follow God's word, because God is our shepherd. He'll protect us. And he'll lead us. And he'll feed us. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, he will he'll guide us along the way. And we go, yeah, but I can't see what the way is, so I'm going to go my way what I can't see. And then we again just question, why is everything going wrong? Here in Jeremiah... 
We see people following their own path, doing their own thing. And God tells them, verses 8 through 13, just be aware, everything you are running from is going to find you. And the people didn't believe them. And so next week we'll look, chapter 44, we're going to look at some history. We're going to look back a little bit. We're also going to look ahead and what what's going to happen and continue to watch the people make just mistakes, um, more warnings, more rebukes. It's all coming. Why? Because they're disobeying. Just, just obey. <laughs> I tell my kids that. I tell my wife that. No, I'm just kidding. I tell my kids that. Just obey. She tells me that. Just obey. Um, have faith. Have faith that God's word is true and that God knows what he's doing. Do what he says. Follow him every step of the way. And you let me know when it doesn't work out for you. When I obey God, it has never not worked out for me. And uh, I believe you'll find the same to be true. Lord, help us. Uh, we know what's right. And yet we ignore, we rebel, we reject. God, I pray that you'd help us to stop. Why? We make the same mistakes that we read about in your word that people have made for centuries. And God, may we be the generation of Christians that follows you. May we be the generation that trains the next generation to follow you. Lord, may we be the generation that gets to see your moving in our country. That we can see a revival. Lord, may we be the generation that accomplishes the Great Commission. Help us, Lord. Forgive us. Guide us. Protect us, we pray. Lord, I pray for our president. I know we usually do this on Wednesdays, but um, we can look and just not understand <laughs> so much. But Lord, I pray that you would use the people that you've placed in authority uh, one way or another Lord that you may use them to help us get back to you help us to be faithful in praying for those we disagree with for those we agree with uh, Lord that we would seek a, um, a movement again of you in our country so help us Lord we do pray in Jesus precious name Amen Wednesday night